Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. The show is brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. we got a jam-packed show. It's my favorite, one of my favorite times of year in terms of sports. Because like a couple of weeks ago, we had the Canadian Bowl here. You heard live on 620 CKRM. Then we had all the Grey Cup coverage with myself and Blaine Weiland and the gang uh, for the Grey Cup 109. I know our team wasn't in it, but it was a great uh, game, great finish, and Really good festivities. Uh, and then we've got the Vanier Cup tomorrow. Yesterday we had three college or uh, three NFL games. We've got different college games on today and tomorrow. And uh, and then the NFL and we got World Cup. And hockey had like, what, 12 games today, Blaine, or something like that? There was four, this af- four or five this afternoon Your already. Team lost, so that was good. Washington beat Calgary 3-0. Uh, Blaine's working at his, working at his desk because <laughs> he's got the TSN out there watching hockey. But you were. Sports. sports. Sports, yeah. Yeah, sports, sports, sports. You're right, sports, <laughs> sports. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's not like, hey, Blaine and I don't feel sorry for us. We don't get rich, but we also don't dig ditches. Okay, um, yeah, lots to get to on this show, so we might as well get to it. Yesterday, an absolute travesty went down in Western University. So, Mason Nias of Regina. Played his RMF here, played his high school at Riffle, went to the U of S. This guy has led his team to back-to-back Vanier Cups. He's hoping to win it this year, lost narrowly last year to Western, okay? Couple of Hardy Cup trophies on his mantle. Dude has never lost as a starting quarterback at home and in Saskatchewan, actually, because he hasn't lost as a starting quarterback as a visitor at Mosaic Stadium. In the last two years, he's got 34 touchdowns and five interceptions in the regular season. 18-3 and this year, okay? And one of those interceptions, I think, was a deflection off the receiver's hands into a defensive back's hands, okay? So keep that in mind. Average 340 yards a game. So you think it's a slam dunk. This guy's winning the heck Crichton. This guy is winning the heck Crichton. <laughs> Wrong. Eastern bias again. East versus West. The East hates the West. And if you want to stop me, then prove me wrong. This whole thing looks absolutely rigged. Now, I'm going to say this. No disrespect to any of these student athletes because they all work hard. Believe me, I've got a son going through it. So congratulations to Laval's Kevin Mattel. He is the Heck Crichton Trophy winner. Okay? He had 58 catches. For 751 yards and 12 touchdowns. 12 touchdowns is a big number for a receiver. Now, 10 of those touchdowns came in three games. But if you do the average, he averaged 80 yards a game. 
and averaged about eight catches. Those are okay numbers. Those aren't MVP numbers. Okay, that's not even close to Mason Nias. But he is the Heck Crichton Trophy winner. Okay, so then you're going to say to yourself, okay, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, just wait a second. So there's only one quarterback up for the Heck Crichton, which is our Heisman Trophy, our most outstanding player in youth sports football. He's the only quarterback. So he should be the first team all-star, shouldn't he? Right? Right, Blaine? Well, I'm, unless we're using Mario Alford at logic. <laughs> we are, because apparently the <laughs> CFL helped you sports pick it. The Laval quarterback is the first team all-star. Mason is the second team all-star. Now you've got a team that's to their second straight Vanier Cup. They are one drop pass away from having a perfect season this far, and they had one national all-star. That was Daniel Perry, I believe, the receiver. One. One. Congratulations to the Rams. They had three first-team all-stars, Ryder Vargat linebacker and two D linemen, Tanner Schmeckel, and the other guy would be Anthony Bennett, who, by the way, should have been the Can West nominee for Defensive Player of the Year, but wasn't inexplicably. I don't know. These guys are supposed to be smart at the university level, but I have to wonder, honestly. So, and congratulations to Al Ford's grandson, Jackson, a second team all-star in the secondary. He's kind of a Swiss army knife in that great Rams defense. But Mason Nias got ripped off. So you're saying, how does he feel? Well, guess what? It's time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. All right, I'm speak with Mason Nias, and you could make a case that this is the greatest U of S Husky of all time. He'll never say it, but I'm going to say it. He's right up there, man. This guy's never lost on home turf in Saskatchewan. He's got his team back in the Vanier Cup. But let's start here. Nias, do you feel robbed? You weren't named the Heck Crichton Trophy winner, and I am absolutely pissed about it. Um, you know what? I It's one of those things, right? Um, do I feel I... Deserved, deserved it. Sure, uh, I think I put up stats to get it. I think I put up the tape to get it. But obviously, the voters didn't think so. So you know what? I can't. Uh, I can't control what the voters do. Um, I will say this though. Um, you know what? The award winner, very well deserving, great guy. Um, he had a great season, so not taking anything away from that either. Yeah, no, absolutely. When you have 12 touchdowns as a receiver, that is very impressive, no doubt about it. He had less than 100 yards uh, a game, though. You finished with almost 2,800, 18 touchdowns, three interceptions. I snicker, though, Mason. I know you're a classy guy. I'm not expecting you to throw mud, but don't, does it make you scratch your head, too? A couple of years ago, your teammate Adam Mackard should have been the Heck Crichton Trophy winner, but... Merchant gets it, and not saying Merchant wasn't a good player, but his stats were less than yours right now, but they said, wow, it was a career award. Well, couldn't they have said the same thing about Mason Nice? It's kind of funny how the voting and the and, and the narrative kind of switches from year to year, it seems. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, you know, it's, it's funny in the macro situation. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. The macro situation was a tough one. Obviously, Merchant's a heck of a player, but you know, I, I thought Macar was deserving of that award as well. And uh, once again, there's not much myself or Adam could do in those situations. It's one of those things where you go and you try to play your best football and you put it all out there. And uh, if people <laughs> think you think you are deserving an award, they'll vote for it. If they don't, they don't. And like you said, not much I can do. But, yeah, I will say, Kevin, he, he's a great guy. I played in Canada with him a couple of years ago. I talked to him, obviously, today. Um, nothing but congratulations to him, but 
yeah, like you said, obviously, I, I thought I put up the numbers and the tape to, to receive the award, and obviously uh, the voters didn't think so, so not much I can do. It, it is what it is, but just focused on Saturday. Yeah, no, we'll get to that in a second. Do you think part of the problem here with the voting and stuff is that you guys don't play interlocking schedules like you would uh, at the NCAA level where, you know, uh, a, a guy who's a a candidate for the trophy from Georgia and a guy, let's say, from Michigan. They may have played each other in a game during the year. We don't have the interlocking till uh, the semifinals in Canada. And I think a lot of times these guys are in their own world and they don't really pay attention to what's going on, say, in Can West. Um, yeah, that definitely could play a factor in things, no doubt about it. That's the same goes with the awards and the national the national rankings throughout the season, right? Um Obviously, I'm biased, and Ken West people are biased, but I think it's the most competitive and most parity league in the in the nation. Um, and I think the numbers and the scores really show that. I think we play in a tough conference. I think we had five or six games this year with teams ranked in the top ten. So, obviously, a lot of good football, a lot of good parity. But uh, like you said, obviously, um, guys out of conference can think what they want. Maybe they're OUA biased or RSEC biased, but that's all once again. Uh, up for speculation. You just gotta whoever you're playing, whether it be the UBC Thunderbirds or down around Santa Fex or Laval, or really, it's you just gotta play football and put your best stuff on tape. So, what are your teammates saying? Do, do, do many of them, uh, you know, what are they saying to you? Because you have been, uh, I've been told you're the undisputed leader of that locker room. The guys love you. Everybody I talked to said you're a gift to be on the field with and everything like that. So I would imagine your boys want to go to war for you on Saturday against Laval. Like, uh, I would think Mason Nias is going in with a Saskatchewan-sized chip on his shoulder. And the beauty of this, Nias, is some bozos may not have voted for you, buddy, but you get a chance to go against Laval and, and this receiver, Kevin Mattel, and show what you're worth. So that's actually would be uh, the best justice. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, um, my my boys got my back and all that, and uh, yeah, they they probably feel similar ways about this as to I. But you know, once again, nothing we can do. And like you said, we have a chance to make it all right. Ultimately, football is a team sport. If you were to tell me before the year, would you rather win uh, the Heck right or the Van A Cup? That'd be an easy answer for me. That'd be the Van A Cup, and we have a chance to do that on Saturday. So. Obviously, um, you can be disheartened about it individually, and that's completely fine. But uh, ultimately, our, our main goal is still at hand, and that's all I'm focused on, and same with my teammates. And for sure, we might have a chip on our shoulder, only one uh, first-team All-Canadian for uh, a team with one loss. That was a tight game, and a team that won the Can West, um, won a national bowl game, and had, I think, 10 or 11 countless All-Stars. So we only have one uh, first-team All-Canadian. Obviously, that puts a chip on our shoulder. And it kind of says what voters think about us. So definitely going to have some added motivation for the Vanier. And hopefully we can uh, right the wrongs and uh, complete the mission. And that is true right there. That tells you right now, right there. You don't need to say it. I'll say it. There's bias against Western Canada. There absolutely is. And uh, so on behalf of Western Canada, how, how big are your feet? How big? My feet? Yeah, how big are your feet? Size 13. You take that size 13 and you ram it up their ass for all of Western Canada. Let's bring the... Listen, I'm a Regina Ram guy, but today I'm a U of S Husky guy and I'm a Nias guy. You smoke them, okay? <laughs> we'll, we'll try our best. We'll, 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 definitely, uh, we'll definitely leave it all out there and hopefully we can bring the best. Details. Forever 306. This is Saskatchewan's favorite talk show, The Sports Cage, on 620 CKRM. 
everybody that works over the stadium, like you just talked about the coaches, like this just became very hard on them. I mean, this is difficult. You know, we, we got at this holiday show, all this, they've set up, they got to break it down, get ready for this game, then get ready for our game on Thursday. So that's, I mean, you know, they didn't intend on that, uh, spending their whole weekend and really the next week leading into Thanksgiving, dealing with all this. So they got a lot on their plate, man. So sometimes that gets lost in the shuffle. You forget about all them over there. They had that huge blizzard in Buffalo. So the Browns-Bills game got moved to Detroit last week, last Sunday. The teams had to adapt, but Dan Campbell, the coach there, wanted to recognize the Ford Field Stadium staff who suddenly had to work two games in five days, including a holiday. So good on him. He's our clutch performer for recognizing that. Sometimes these millionaire coaches and athletes forget about the behind-the-scenes people that put the games on. Blaine Wyland joining me here. Uh, you know what? I, I watched HBO Hard Knocks, and... Uh, I uh, at first I wasn't a Dan Campbell guy, but I am, and they're playing hard for him. Yeah, they're definitely playing for him. He seems like the guy that you'll run through a wall for. You know, yeah, it seems like he's a good motivator, and uh, you know the Lions—they are making improvement. They are are an, an entertaining team to watch. Hey, Blaine, it was a as you told me in the hallway, very apropos. It was a Thanksgiving Day miracle. Hey, Kirk Cousins wins. Yeah. How about that? Primetime Kirk Cousins actually picks up a victory last night. It was uh, it was quite something last. Actually, I was happy with all three games yesterday being quite entertaining. But, you know, primetime and the lack of quality games this year in the NFL, the fact that we got three good games this yeah, it's year. That's a good point. Yeah. It was good, actually, for, for sure. Uh, I got this from Frank McChrystal as it relates to the whole Mason Nice thing. Frank McChrystal, uh, one of the great coaches in amateur sports, uh, did a great job with the Rams at the at the junior level and then was big in their training transformation to youth sports and finding a guy like Akeem Hicks and those type of things. Frank was always, always, always about the player first instead of the program. And I know if he was the head coach, I don't know what Scott Flory's going to do. Scott seems to be more of a laid back guy. That's just his way. I know for a fact Frank McChrystal would stand up and tear a strip off of whoever robbed his quarterback because he did it here in the Canadian Bowl in 1993 when I was on the team and Daryl Leeson was up for the big award against Jason Hayes, the Hamilton Hurricanes quarterback. The Hurricanes guy got the award. We went on to win the next day and Leeson threw for over 400 yards but Frank just went at it and that, I, I would love to see Scott Flory stand up for his quarterback. This is what uh, Frank texted me. Uh, he's on a holiday somewhere warm. He said, uh, as it relates to the U Sports Awards, Jim, uh, Jim Donlevy used to chair committees like the All-Star Selection Group and really tried to make it reasonable and fair. He's no longer there, obviously, having passed away a few years ago. Back then, the reps on the committee from Can West were the head coaches who missed the playoffs. If that is the case, then it would be Chris Morris and Wayne Harris who would have to make the case for Nias. Anyway, crappy deal for Mason. Teal Orban had a similar thing happen to him in 2006 when he did not receive the heck. Hope you're doing well. Uh, listening from Costa Rica. Thanks, Frank, Frank, and Wendy there. So, yeah, so, like, listen, it looks like, like, help me out here, Blaine. I don't want to look like I'm just old man screaming at the clouds. It looks like East. Eastern bias. It looks like East against the West. Does that not look rigged to you? It does. It's almost a situation you almost want to 
they have to reveal the ballots in the situation to how they can figure this out. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because this is what is... Listen, if this happened in the United States with the Heisman where we do know, hey, this guy finished third, this guy finished second. I bet you dimes to donuts, Nias finished third. I bet you he finished behind the Western guy too because that's how it's rigged. And until somebody tells me different, I'm going to say it's rigged. So with that in mind, here's something they didn't bargain for, okay? The yappy chuhuahua ballsy over here in the corner. The yappy chihuahua. You know, it used to be, oh, we'll tell them a bunch of BS and they'll forget about it in two days and we'll tap them on the head and they'll go away. Well, no. I had quite the text exchange with Pierre Arsenault, who is the president of U Sports. And I basically said... Can you help me out? Because if you can, I'm going to light you up. So I need you to get me somebody on the committee that's going to come on my show and explain to me, riddle me this, Batman, how the dude who is up for the heck Crichton doesn't get the heck Crichton when he has the best stats, and then he's not the all-star, the first-team all-star. Like, you think if Blaine Wyland was in charge of the heck Crichton committee, and he turned down... Mason Nias for the receiver. Okay, good, not great stats. And Michael Ball is over here picking the, on this committee, picking the All-Stars. You think the guy who's the only quarterback playing up for the heck, Crichton, wouldn't he automatically be your first team quarterback All-Star? Yeah, and especially of all positions, quarterback. Like you think, you know, like Alfred with the return, maybe, maybe, but quarterbacks, you think that's just a given. It's just a given. Absolutely. So with that in mind, I will give Pierre Arsenal credit. I thought he would just dismiss me, but he didn't. Showing leadership. He said, I will have somebody for you on Monday to answer to this. So we're going to get you answers here on the sports cage because a lot of people don't care about youth sports and our Canadian athletes, uh, our, our student athletes. The coaches do. The teams do. The people that run universities and the big body, they can say whatever they want. They don't care about the athletes. They barely treat it better than intramurals. And so... With that in mind, I am not letting this go. We will get to it on Monday. You can send your text in too, 936-6262, the number to text. What you think about this and other sporting things? We're going to take a break, and we're going to get to Bob Stoffer, color commentator in the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. 40 years. Time to talk NHL. Now back to your favorite sports talk show, The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, time now to catch up with our friend Bob Stoffer in the Big Apple, getting set for a matinee tomorrow. The uh, Oilers and the Rangers. Oilers closing out what's turned out to be not a really great trip. I'll get the hockey in a second, Bob. Uh, you are a soccer fan. I'm. I, I get every four years. I pay attention, kind of like the Olympics. Watch sports I'd never watch. I will say this, Bob. I would rather watch a really exciting, good, highly entertaining one nothing soccer game as opposed to a three-point fest in the NBA. I, I, I can't watch the NBA anymore. Actually, ever since Kobe Bryant kind of went downhill a little bit before his untimely death, I, uh, I just, I'm out of the NBA. I can't stand it. Yeah, I'm going to date myself a bit, but I got into NCAA college basketball in uh, in sort of the early 1980s when we moved in from the acreage where we only had three uh, TV stations uh, to get in the full cable package and got into March Madness. But over the last several years, I have completely disassociated myself from the association. I don't watch any NBA at all. Uh, I watched a bit of the Raptors run, I guess. I was interesting. But, uh, and then even with college basketball, I mean, now there's so many one and duns at the, at the higher end programs that, 
you know, it's just, it just isn't the same. And, and so for me, NCAA college football, we've discussed this before, uh, NFL and, 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 and then European football and watching sort of Canada uh, emerge as a country that, uh, you know, and John Herdman referred to the fact that Canada was a, a sleeping giant. And, uh, you know, I, I will tell you that we had an hour and 55 minute bus ride. Our team did to get into, uh, and go play the Islanders the other night. And we had the game on the bus while we were watching. A lot of players were in. You know, we found a way to finagle it and get it on the uh, screens on the bus and watch the game. And there was a lot of interest there. And I think the guys loved how Canada played. Like the tempo and the pace, they they pushed it. They went for it. They didn't sit back. And you know what, Michael? That's the way I am. I like coaches that coach to score the next goal, not to coach to stop the next goal from being scored. I like coaches that breed offensive confidence in their athletes that don't believe in breaking them down and building them up for every single mistake. I, I, so I loved how Canada played. And unfortunately, you know, Canada's coming and they're going to keep getting better, but they just don't quite yet have the finite skill. And they were playing the number two team in the world. Like, Belgium's a world-class opponent that they were playing. And, uh, you know, maybe another four to eight years uh, as, as that golden generation for Belgium kind of filters out. You know, if Canada can keep developing younger players, and we've got a lot of kids now that are playing soccer, a lot of our most competitive best athletes, maybe we'll have, con- you know, some ongoing success in that sport. Mm. Bob Stoffer uh, with soccer on the brain. Should players be able to kick the puck in the net? I think they should. I think that's a skill to be able to do that. Yeah, that's a tough one. I'm a little bit of a traditionalist on this. Uh, you know, it's and they've even added a little bit of, you know, uh, latitude in that regard as well, right? I mean, what was not uh, counted as a goal 15 years ago and a lot of nights is. So I, I think they've amended it enough and they should leave it the way it is right now. Okay, Bob, uh, we've always talked about this. Uh, at American Thanksgiving, you kind of look at the cutoff line. If you're not in the playoffs, you should start worrying. Well, the Oilers aren't in the playoffs. They're not so far out, but should we start worrying if you're an Oilers fan? Well, uh, a couple things have happened here. Uh, I'm not going to be an apologist for the position that the team's in right now. The reality of the situation is they've played a hard schedule. Like they, The seven worst teams in the league have just played one of their first 20 games against. That said, you got to make some hay when you play those teams. Um, you know, Jack Campbell will tell you that he, you know, it's, it often starts in goal. Now, saying that he's got a winning record, he's six and five. Mm-hmm. But you got to you got to have some stops. And uh, the penalty killing hasn't been very good. Well, who's your best penalty killer? Usually, it's your goaltender. And of late, uh, especially once Evander Kane and Connor Yamamoto went out of the lineup after the Oilers' four game road trip, which took them through Washington and Tampa and Carolina and Florida. Uh, the Oilers' depth's been exposed a little bit. Uh, the Kane loss is big. He's, you know, he had 51 hits in the first 14 games that he played in their top six. Uh, they have they have a lack of physicality for me uh, up front. I, I would address that if I were the Oilers. I'd find a way to get another player in here or a player or two that can provide a little bit of that type of energy uh, and maybe a guy that's good at killing penalties while you're at it. Um, and then I think on the back end, you know, they just recalled Broberg. He's probably going to play tomorrow. I, I, the plan all along was for him to, to see what they had with Broberg sort of as the third-pairing left shot D. Uh, you know, I think he's, you got to give him a 15 or 20 game window there to, to get him up and running and see what he can do. But you also can't fall too far out of it. So I, you know, make no mistake, 10 and 10, it's been a disappointment. They've been consistently inconsistent. There's lots to work on. You know, they, they were two and three and then they won five straight games and then they've only won three of their last 10. So they're going to need to elevate the level of their performance here as we move on. I thought Campbell didn't look too bad against the Islanders. I wouldn't really fault him for that loss, would you? No, not at all. I mean, you, for, I hate 
seeing I have a I just despise seeing goals scored when you're on the power play against you. Like it yeah. just drives me nuts. And that was a two on three and you know, Tyson Berry has gotta make a better play on the net drive from Pajot there. It just the Oilers were just asleep at the switch and then they ended up getting a penalty the tail end of that power play and uh, that gave uh, you know a chance for the Islanders to gain a zone entry and they banked one in off of Bouchard and then the Oilers were chasing. That was the strangest fiftieth shot because you know what? It didn't feel like they were going to beat Sorokin in that game. Now, he's a good goalie, but it didn't feel like they were, they were going to beat him. So I thought, and, I, and I've had people tell me, uh, Michael, that you know, while the expected goals were like four and a half to five in that game, I'm not buying it. Like, I, I, I didn't love how Edmonton played. They need to get better starts in games. Yeah. Uh, they need to get on the power play first in games. They're sitting back working themselves too much in the games. And I think part of that's just a byproduct. They don't have near the without Kane and Yamamoto, two of their top six forwards, and because some others haven't taken a step forward, like Pulleyarvi, like he's having a tough year here. He hasn't got anything accomplished. He's got one goal in twenty games, and that's an issue when you're paying a guy three million bucks and he's supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know, it's a contract year. He's supposed to be taking a step forward, and he's a shadow of what he was last year. Last year, you know, he had. Uh, eight goals and 23 points in the Oilers' first 28 games. He hasn't come close to match at that, so they got a lot of work to do here to get uh, to get her going. We talked about Holloway at the start of the year. It looks too big for him right now, or or I'm misreading that. No, I don't think you're misreading it. I think uh, just as Broberg was inevitably going to be recalled by Edmonton and Nima Linen was going to go down, I think Holloway's inevitably going to end up down in Bakersfield, and he's going to need 20 games where he played like. He's played under 50 pro games the last two years. Let's not forget he had wrist surgery not once but twice. Uh, he had a great preseason. I'm shocked. i, I got to tell you, I mean, Holloway, Pugliarvi, uh, Yamamoto, those guys got one goal between the three of them. Like, th- those guys were exciting guys for me at the start of the year, and it just hasn't come to fruition. Even Bouchard in defense, he's having a, he's got yeah. great analytics. He's having, a, he's having a tough season. So, um you know, they had 46 goals last year between Yamamoto, Pugliarvi, and Bouchard. 46 goals in 82 games. They got one goal in 20 games between that trio. Wow. Hey, so what, do you, what, they, do you make, what are you making of Bouchard and Barry? You mentioned Barry earlier. You kind of mentioned Bouchard. They've been really uh, disappointing this year so far. Yeah, I think Barry's actually had, you know, I think he's had an okay year. Like, he's got, but he's on a power play. And he's on a power play that until the other night was over 30%. That's the top three power play in the world. I mean, the Oilers have a chance to do something that hasn't been done in 30 years in the NHL, and that's to have four consecutive years, 25% or higher on the power play. So whoever ends up being the point man on that power play is going to generate some offense because you, you just got to pass to Connor and Leon. It's going to end up in the net sometimes. Uh, Bouchard, you know, the shooting percentage for the Oilers when Bouchard is on the ice is below 4% at 5 on 5. Wow. Like, that's just crazy. Like, I mean, you know, you would normally, I don't know, 8 the nine and a half percent five on five would you know goalies with a nine ten to nine fifteen save percentage of even strength because goal scoring is up a bit this year so it, it, he's like he he needs to develop a great some greater urgency but I think the owners need to be patient they've had a history of moving some right shot puck movers in the past you know they traded Petrie and they they traded uh, Schultz now I think Schultz is ready to go and he got traded Petrie wanted to stay. And Matt T misread the the landscape at that time of where Petrie was going to go as a player. Yeah, Craig McTavish was the GM. They, to me, they got to bet long, uh, play the long game on Evan Bouchard. And uh, there's one more factor in here: Evan Bouchard is represented by the same agent that Connor McDavid has, and Jeff Jackson. You might want to keep that agent happy. 
Yeah, good point. Yeah, a really good point. That's that's a good good point. Hey, how about this? Ryan Nugent Hopkins into his 12th year with the club. How do you feel about this guy? How do you feel about uh, what you're seeing from him? Well, he's played more left wing this year than ever before, and he's got a point per game. Um, he's probably going to. There's a chance he might play center tomorrow against the Rangers because I think Leon's not at 100. percent Like you know, you know sports. You've been around the game. You played sports yourself. You get a bad high ankle sprain, and it can take you six to eight months to get over that. Yeah. And I don't. I don't think Leon's had the same explosiveness from that injury he suffered against LA in the playoffs last year. I mean, what he did against Calgary was obscene. 17 points in five games on one leg. Who does that? Well, Leon Dreisaitl does. I think Nugent Hopkins is going to be counted on for uh, more important minutes here uh, as the uh, next couple of weeks get going. Interesting. Okay, let's talk about one of the surprises in the West. Maybe the surprise, the Kraken. Are you surprised? I'd like to take a look at their schedule because I'm going to guess they've played a fair amount against San Jose and Anaheim. Yeah. And the Oilers, like the Oilers haven't played San Jose or Anaheim. And like Anaheim's, and I think Anaheim got their first regulation win the other night when they beat the Rangers, 20 games in the season. Anaheim gives up a ton of the goals against. Uh, Seattle has added depth up front. Uh, but Seattle's a team like Vegas is clearly back and going to make the playoffs. The Oilers are going to have to catch because I think Calgary and Edmonton are still going to end up in the two, three hole battling in LA. Um, we'll see if, we'll see if Seattle can, can sustain it. I'm not sure they can. And uh, maybe a, a comment about maybe the Rick bonus effect in Winnipeg. He's, he's there not to make friends. He's there to clean things up. Well, the biggest thing that Winnipeg has is they got a stopper and goal. And that's the factor that everybody has to, like, I'm not going to make excuses for the Oilers. They shouldn't be 10 and 10. They have, you know, they have two of the world's best players. They thought they addressed their depth issues up front. I think they missed Mike Smith's puck handling a bit in goal. And they missed Duncan Key's leadership, quiet leadership a bit on defense. But Edmonton was supposed to have a good team, and they're not where they're at right now record-wise. For me, Winnipeg was a good bounce back. That bonus is an experienced coach. Um, he's the type of guy you recognize. Like, there were some culture issues there, and we'd heard rumblings of that. But the one big advantage Winnipeg has, they're going to visit a trophy winner in goal. Like, Connor Hellebuck's a good goaltender. Um, and, you know, what's interesting with the Jets is they've done it without a couple, like, Ehlers has been hurt. Cal Connor was slow and banged up out of the start of the year. I'm not, you know what? Rick Bonas has proven time and time again that he can coach. Yeah, no good point. And lastly, and then I'll let you go. Uh, one thing I appreciate about you appreciate about you is your hockey mind, your sports mind. You're a traditionalist, so you'll obviously have a thought on the passing of Borea Salming. Yeah, I, you know I hated the Flyers as a kid. Okay, uh, I hated everything about them. They were bullies <laughs> on ice, and I, I didn't respect them because they didn't square up and fight guys one on one. And uh, I, you know, I, I'll never forget. The video exists. Uh, there was a defenseman out of the University of Saskatchewan named Dave Dunn, and he had one of those awful Cooper helmets. And he grabbed the hound, Bob Kelly, and laid a beatdown on him that was epic, and I loved it. Because, I, you know, I'm a little bit older than you, Michael, and I watched Toronto play Philly, and the Flyers, it was pure thuggery. You know, and New Westminster did that as well in, in Major Junior and won a couple uh, Memorial Cups as a result of it, beat teams up. Uh, but true, true toughness is, is not necessarily fighting back with your fists, but not altering your game 
to 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 be who you are on the ice. And I and I felt that Anders Hedberg and Alf Nielsen did that in the WHA with uh, the Winnipeg Jets, and the forerunner for them was Borja Salmon in Toronto. So, you know, the guy has reverence in the Swedish hockey community. He, uh, you know, players like Nick Nick Lidstrom that came after him. That's who they idolized was Borja Salmin. He was a trailblazer, and he proved that uh, that that you know there was a term "chicken Swede." That's 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 a BS comment. Swedes actually historically, and you know this, uh, back in the 1920s and 30s, Swedes were concerned uh, seen as tough physical guys. Hemingway used to write about that all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had mental toughness to put up with what he put up with. And was a very special figure in uh, the the NHL for a long time. Always enjoy your chats. Enjoy your work. Uh, take care, my friend. Anytime, Michael. Take care. Thanks. Time to talk Saskatchewan Rush. Now back to your favorite sports talk show, The Sports Cage, on 620 CKRM. Well, we're not talking Rush, but uh, we talk all sports here, including Rush. Uh, It is a big day in sports, and our sports tickers brought to you by our good friends at Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090 at the World Cup. Iran knocks off Wales in an upset 2-0. Ecuador and Netherlands tied at 1. was Senegal over Qatar, 3-1, and England and the USA played to a scoreless tie, or nil-nil, as they like to say. Croatia media really worked up here about John Herdman's comments after the game when Canada ended up losing to Belgium. He was asked uh, what he said, or it was brought to the attention what he said, and basically he said, guys, you proved you can play on this stage, now let's go F Croatia. So the Croatian media trying to TMZ it. We'll see what happens on Sunday. Big game for Canada. WHL tonight. Our Regina Pats are in Vancouver to take on the ice. We'll talk to Dante DiCaria after 5. He's the voice of the Pats at games on our airwaves at 9.30. Ice at the Blades. Oil Kings at the Broncos. Warriors at Kamloops. PA at Calgary. The Colorado Avalanche were scheduled to play Nashville today, but the NHL announced the game has been postponed due to a water main break that impacted the event level of the arena. In in the NHL, uh, maybe Anaheim is uh, hoping that there was a, a water main break there because they are getting their butts handed to them. Uh, right now, I'm just trying to see what was the score. Uh, Ottawa winning 5-1 over the Ducks. Blaine's, Blaine Weiland, my operator and sports guy here, his flames go down to the Capitals 3-0. Toronto wins 4-3 over the Wild. Bruins beat the Hurricanes 3-2 in overtime. Habs, Le Habitant, over the Blackhawks 3-2. Blackhawks started well this year, but they've kind of fallen back down to where we thought they would be. Thanks to Bob Stoffer for joining us. Oilers will resume their dismal three-game trip uh, on Broadway against the Rangers tomorrow. All right, so I went on a... Uh I got to actually hold on a second here. I got a text from Ryder Varga. By the way, one of the four Rams who were named All-Stars nationally. Uh, Varga was a first-team All-Star linebacker. He's going to go to camp with BC, finish his engineering degree. The other off uh, defensive linemen were Tanner Schmeckel and Anthony Bennett. And then the second-team All-Star was defensive back Jackson Ford. So congratulations to all those Rams. I had said Bennett should be the outstanding defensive player out of the Can West, but he sends me a text as Ryder Varga. 
Varga. Just so you know, a defensive lineman can't win the Outstanding Defensive Player of the Year in the Can West U Sports. Only linebackers and DB can win that. D-Line has to get nominated through the Outstanding Lineman Award, which uh, the old lineman uh, Theodore Benedet, Theo Benedet got the award for UBC and nationally, which is stupid. You should have an Outstanding Offensive Lineman and then the Defensive Lineman. Why can't he be the Outstanding no, Reggie White. No, Reggie. Sorry, Reggie White. You can never. No, Cameron Wake. Sorry. You're on the D-line. You can never be the outstanding defensive player. That's another stupid rule that they need to change, and we'll hopefully uh, get them to think about changing the rules Monday when we have a representative on about uh, the selection of the Heck Crichton, of the All-Stars, all that type of BS. They got to do a better job. They got to treat it better than intramural sports. Anyway, I went on the Rider Nation podcast with Maz and Kelly Kirsch. And the one thing I'll say for me in my defense is you know where to find me every day, 4 to 6.30 here on the Sports Cage or on Rider broadcasts. So I, I say things. People don't always agree, but I say them and I stand behind them. And if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. Okay. And I might ruffle a few feathers, and guess what? I don't care. Um, I don't hide behind fake names, you know, Truck Nuts 89, Rider Girl Forever, all this other BS. Michael Ball, Ballsy. Yeah, I use a nickname sometimes, but it's Michael Ball. You know where to find me, the corner of 12th and Rose, okay? Now, I had gone on this podcast and said a few things. One of them was what I said on this show, what got me blocked by Cody Fajardo, that he is not mentally tough enough, in my opinion, to be the quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Is he a good quarterback? Yes. Will he get another job? Yes. Absolutely he will. There is a place for Cody Fajardo in the CFL, but he is not mentally tough to be a quarterback here. He was upset when the fans booed, was he not? He was upset as his receivers the year before. He talked about his contract here at the end. A big year for me, contract year. Never heard a quarterback do that before. He talked about all the sacks and how they were wearing on him. He talked about how nobody wanted him and hopefully somebody wants me next year. And I had his back for all three years, and I still think he's a good guy. I still think he's a good quarterback. He's a good husband and probably a good father, a new father with his great son, Luca. Okay? But he blocked me. He blocked me after I said that. So I encourage you to listen to the whole podcast in just instead of just the tweets that have gone out, little, little uh, taste testers, so to speak, from the uh, Twitter handle CFL News. Thanks to them for their work. But those are for clicks and likes. Go to the Rider Nation podcast, okay? They asked me, are the Riders going to be in the playoffs? I said, yes, the Riders will be in the playoffs, and they will be selling 19 jerseys. Number 19 jerseys. Not Sam Emelis jerseys. Bo Levi Mitchell jerseys, okay? That's what I believe. I believe... I believe it's 65-35. I have no... It's not a done deal. Hamilton's got the rights. They're going to probably wine and dine Bo here over the next little bit. Uh, but Bo, listen to me carefully. Bo Levi Mitchell is going to free agency. All right? He's going to free agency. The BC Lions, I thought maybe they'd be in, but they're probably not in because... Um, they don't want to get locked into a deal if Nathan Rourke somehow comes back early or doesn't make it to the NFL. They don't want to do that, okay? So that's not happening. Toronto, maybe. Depends what happens with McLeod Bethel-Thompson. 
I think it's a two-horse race, Hamilton and Saskatchewan. It's going to come down to who the riders get as the OC. That's who it's going to come down to. Mark Mueller, Lancaster's grandson, a new dad again with a boy, in Saskatchewan as an OC with a promotion. I've heard he's already had his interview here. He is here. Bo Levi Mitchell gets a big say in the playbook. Riders need to win now. They need to sell tickets. This is the most money he'll ever make because he's going to make a you-know-what full off the field. It's a small market. I texted him. He said, I love my time in Saskatchewan. Reminds me of Texas. That means nothing. I just put that text out because it was a text. Okay? I got, I got, I got some. Oh, man, did I get some reaction. I got this one. This is a beauty. Uh, what are you from JBW? What are you? What are you doing? You're promoting a form of toxic masculinity in sport. A player expresses emotions and frustration, and somehow they're weak. Why not use your platform more responsibly and work against this toxic masculinity? Get out of here with this toxic masculinity. Get get out of here. That's not what I'm doing. I'm telling you, you gotta have a thick skin to be in Saskatchewan. You gotta have a thick skin to play quarterback. So, Ken Austin, Darian Durant, the beauty of having Bo Levi Mitchell here is he's a Hall of Famer. He don't care what you think. He only cares what he thinks. And that's kind of what the riders need at that quarterback position. Marlene says, lots of fans believe coach made Cody out to be a scapegoat. All kinds of reasons for the team uh, losing. The play calling, the offensive line. I'd love to see Cody back providing the riders hire an O co- uh, coordinator who can game plan around quarterback strengths. Cody's time is done. It'll be a, a, a divorce there. And Art Michener says this. Uh, guys from the interception in the end zone in 2017 lost in the Grey Cup against Toronto to his brutal play this year. Uh, he doesn't have it anymore. Riders can get Fajardo back for 300000 by a great O-line. Let's go in that direction. Who knows? Jimmy G went back to the 49ers. I could be wrong. If he comes back, boy, that's going to be interesting between Ballsy and Cody. Hey, we got a great little thing we're doing here every Friday. It's our friends over at the Monday Nooner podcast. It's the only podcast. You can check it out wherever you get your podcast. Only podcast that deals with senior hockey. Check it out. Monday Nooner podcast. And they're going to join us each Friday with an update. Check it out. For the Monday Nooner Senior Hockey Report here on the Sports Cage. It's getting to that time. All 12 leagues are firing around the province. Gotta love it. I know we're actually down to 104 teams in the province. We had one team drop out, but lots of big games coming up. Lots of great action around the province, fellas. That's for sure. And very unfortunate that the Whitewood Orioles couldn't make a go of it this year. So they had to back out of the Sask East League. But uh, a lot of the players found new homes that wanted to play. So that's good and unfortunate for uh, Whitewood. And Boz, I'm here. Lots of drama down in Oxbow. What's going on down there? It is new news every day. Senior hockey's just got this circle of things happening and things buzzing. Oxbow Huskies, apparently they broke a rule in regards to imports and elite players. They can only have so many players who played an elite level of hockey, junior A or higher. Apparently they thought one guy should be a local. Apparently he's not. So they're 4-0. and Rumor has it they might have to forfeit all four games. Ooh. And... 
Unbelievable. If you didn't listen to the Monday Nooner Senior Hockey Top 10 podcast this week on iTunes or uh, Spotify, here it is quickly. Number 10 was Langenberg. Nine was Drake. They fell. Wainwright was eight. Grenfell, seven. Winyard, six. Carnduff undefeated in the big six at five. Wadena, the Wagons are number four. Three, the Balcaris Bronx jump in there. Number two, the Kindersley Senior Clippers and still the number one team in the province, the Keniston Blizzard. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of great teams here in the province. Some movement this week. If you're around Regina area, go check out some of these teams. Lots of great action. Lots of big games coming up this weekend around the province. And I know people on this station listen from all over. I got one game in the Sask West I can't wait for. The Wilkie Outlaws host the Kindersley Clippers, two of the top teams. And Barry, I know there's lots of other great ones coming up too. Friday night, you don't have to go very far if you're in the Carlisle area because they're taking on Carnduff. Both teams are undefeated. Carnduff's 5-0 and and Carlisle is 3-0. and And then also Friday, your boys' belts, the Eston Pretenders. They take on Dinsmore in the Champions League. Guys, you know what? My big uh, my big game this week, just because you talked about them in the top 10, Barry, you gave them an HM, an honorable mention. The Davidson Cyclones taking on the Leroy Braves, the AK, the 10Ks. I think it's going to be a big game. Big stepping stone, I'm going to say, or match for uh, Davidson to see where they stand. And actually, our game of the week this week is out in the pierogi belt. Langenberg at Theodore in the Sask East. That's going to be a doozy if you're out in that portion of the province. And Barry's going. Barry's going to that game, right? So... I, I want to I want to give some some love to the Sask Alta League. If you got any listeners up in that area, Dewberry and Hillman they go at it. Dewberry's three and one, and Hillman undefeated at three and zero. Oh. And then Saturday, close to Regina here in the Sask Valley or sorry, the Coppell Valley Highway Hockey League, Odessa, Vibank, and Lumsden go at it in Lumsden on Saturday. Big round. It's time to talk curling. We've got it all. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to this Friday football feast day after American Thanksgiving. We've got one more big football game in our Canadian calendar year. It goes down tomorrow in London, Ontario, Western University or University of Western. It's going to be the U.S. Huskies against Laval. 16 years in the making in the rematch for the Vanier Cup. Before we get to that, plenty to talk about with Football Canada President Jim Mullen. Jim, I want to apologize. I didn't realize that was you in the booth when I was calling the the Canadian Bowl. I'm like, but but hey, you you pointed that out to me in Grey Cup week, so I forgot Football Canada czar would be all over the place. You must be tired. The the, the Canadian Bowl, Regina Grey Cup, and now you're uh, out east. Well, first of all, you and Pete did an extraordinary job oh, on that Canadian Bowl. I, I I actually was in the booth for the entire second quarter. Uh, because I really appreciated the narrative. There was a giant monitor where I was, so I could easily follow it and listen to your call. And people, you don't know how difficult it is to call a game, uh, especially a game of football, and especially a game with that many players and that much depth from teams you really haven't seen before, especially calling a team like the Okanagan Sun. So my hat's off to you. My hat's off to Pete for calling... Uh, an outstanding game. The second part is, yeah, I'm absolutely wiped. I'm exhausted. I got into um, to London, Ontario about uh, two in the morning uh, two nights ago. Uh, was meeting with the uh, university coaches. And, uh, and yeah, we're looking forward to a fantastic game on Saturday. 
I think that these two teams, Saskatchewan and Laval, are perfectly matched mm. uh, to create some real excitement. I think this is, uh, on paper at least, going to be uh, as close of a game as you could imagine. But, you know, we've been wrong before, right? Yeah, we certainly have. Before we kind of break that game down a little bit from your perch at the, the top of Football Canada as the president, uh, first of all, a comment on junior football. That was a great game. I thought, uh, you know, the the Regina Thunder have taken some strides. They are going toe-to-toe with the, with the Hilltops, maybe not resume-wise, but the last couple of years they've been in there. And then a uh, great job by a BC team to come out here weather the cold and and come back after being down 15 nothing. You know, at the end of the day, it was just the Okanagan Sun making more plays at key times. If you really want to oversimplify it, some of the uh, receptions on that uh, last drive of the first half were were just <laughs> I'm going to contain my swear words here. That blank remarkable. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the the completely impressive highlight material at any level of football, really. There were two of them on that drive. Uh, you know, full points to uh, to the uh, Okanagan Sun operation, and uh, I, I, I will say a special thanks to Murad and the uh, and the uh, Regina Thunder crew for uh, being fantastic hosts uh, at the uh, at the Canadian Bowl. It, the, the one thing that charges me up about uh, working with the CJFL when I engage with them and, uh, and when I see them is that. You know, they are 100% focused on football, right? Uh, there's, you know, there's, there's the pro level that, it, that has this business aspect to it. There's the university level that has this <laughs> uh, bureaucratic aspect to it. But when you get in a room with junior football guys, it's so refreshing because it is completely about the game. And, and quite frankly, uh, you know, meeting with those guys energized me enough to get me through these three weeks on the road. Well, uh, I just want to say, when you give me comments about uh, broadcasting, I appreciate it because you're a good one in your own right. Uh, and, of course, you're doing a great job at uh, Football Canada. So let's um, let's talk about the Grey Cup week. From your perspective, I saw you at the Football Reporters of Canada breakfast. Uh, kind of. You were just, you had your back to me. I didn't even realize you were there until one of the other guys said, said hey, Jim, nice to see you. Um, so you kind of were in, in the weeds there for me. Didn't see you a lot, but we were probably running in different circles. Uh, anyway. Anyway, your thoughts on Grey Cup week, the festivities, and the actual game, which goes down as a top five finish, in my opinion. I, I, you know what? I think pulling out of the uh, pandemic, uh, the organizers did a great job in terms of uh, you know built, rebuilding the infrastructure. Not building the infrastructure, but rebuilding it uh, with with the team rooms in the central facility. Uh, had a great time touring around some of the European delegates. Uh, there are friends of mine there from uh, Finland and Denmark. I also serve on the IFAF board, so mm-hmm. I know these guys. And uh, they, they now come back to, to Grey Cups to attend them. Uh, so a good time was, was had by all of that night. The only thing I'd say is is that, you know, I remember the Grey Cup as a forty-five to 55,000-seat uh, um, function. Mm-hmm. And at, at the, the, the Grey Cup week, the Grey Cup weekend, uh, event, you could tell that that critical mass wasn't quite there, that it was about a, a 65 to 70 percent capacity. And it's just based on number of bodies that are that are being pushed out to the game. Uh, you know, hopefully we can get back to the point that when we 
uh, have uh, uh, a Grey Cup in, in in a city the size of Regina or Winnipeg, they bump out the stadium a little bit. They bring in the forty, forty-five, fifty thousand people into the stadium, so you can't escape Grey Cup weekend because Grey Cup weekend is as big, if not if not bigger than the game. Quite frankly, for me, uh, the the game itself uh, was not. I'll tell you what was not an oil painting, but it was completely eventful and and, you know perfect football is boring uh eventful football is exciting and memorable and that's exactly what we got in in the great cup final for sure man and i love the fact that uh i love the fact that when we started this year in the cfl there was a talk of the first cba um proposal was no Canadians a 10-year deal and this year we had Nathan Rourke come on the scene albeit maybe a a shooting star and then Enoch Mwamba the grizzled veteran Canadian star gets honored big time at the at the very last game of the year well you know and even in between there you got a guy like Ken Schaefer Baker now getting a look from uh, NFL teams you know the Canadians were the real story of the league this year in my opinion and uh, considering what we emerged from earlier in the season uh, that's refreshing. So those of us on on the side of uh, of uh, the the uh, the ratio debate that supported Canadians and supported Canadian starters, I think we were somewhat vindicated. Okay, man, I um I have to go down this uh, rabbit hole now with you. All right. So a couple of <laughs> year, a couple of years ago, Chris Merchant won the the Heck Crichton at Western with okay numbers, not world beating numbers, but okay numbers. And I I heard from people, well, that was more a career award for him when he beat out Adam Mackard. Okay. So then last year, Mason Nye should have been the MVP of Can West, but then I heard from some people, well, that was the Philpot Brothers Award. Of course, Trey Ford would go on to win it, and and rightfully so. Now this year, Mason. Jason Nias has 18 touchdowns and three interceptions. He throws for almost 2,800 yards. Now, I know the voting's done before the Vanier Cup, but he leads his team again. A remarkable season. Does not lose a game as a starter in his career in Saskatchewan, both in Regina and on his home field in Saskatoon. And he loses the Heck Crichton to the Laval receiver, who, hey, he had a he had a great year. 12 touchdowns is a great year, but he had less than a Hundred yards a game. I, I I don't know, man. I can't figure this out. To me, an, a highway robbery here. Yeah, this one is hard to figure out for me. I thought Mason had this thing locked down, and that's nothing against Kevin Mattel and, and his uh, season for the Rouge or uh, you know Mattel is a guy that that's in his second year. He oozes pro potential at the next level. Uh, sometimes it, you know these players in. in a race for an award can be looked at through the uh, lens of pro potential rather than what they've done on the field as a university player in that particular year. And, and the other thing about Mattel is that he's a bit of a rarity now. We used to have uh, uh, repatriated transfers, I like to call them repats, coming back to Canada from NCAA programs uh, because of the year off that they would normally have to take when, when they transfer. Now, if you can move from team to team to team in the NCAA, if you're a Canadian down there, if you're one of the 203 Canadians down there in Division One, uh, you're going to move to another NCAA team. So, you know, there may have been something of a reward in that for, uh, for the athlete. Uh, I would say that the uh, only uh, knock uh, on Mason is that he's a pure passer and he's not a mobile quarterback. 
but that should not be enough to not have him as the Heck Creighton Award winner, in my personal opinion. So, uh, you know, secretly, if I'm around the um, uh, Saskatchewan Huskies program, I'm kind of thrilled about this. Not because I'm thrilled that my guy didn't get the Heck Creighton. Like, how fired up are these guys going to be now for Saturday's game? Like, they've gotten injustice. It's them against the world. It's chip on the shoulder. I mean, that's something that can really work in the favor of the Green Dogs. Yeah, and I agree with you, and I know Mason Nias. Personally, you know him too. And he would be a guy that would rather have a Vanier Cup than a Heck Crichton Trophy. So I, I understand that, and you know he is going to. He's got to have some fuel to his fire for sure. I just and, and I buy what you're selling in terms of that mentality and the reasoning behind it, but let's be honest, Jim, and you're in agreement, I'm sure. We're, we're, we're supposed to be voting not on what the guy could be, on what he did this this year, it seems like, and not just with this voting, it seems like sports, politics, life, whatever fits your narrative at that time, right? Well, I'll tell you what, ever since Ricky Gervais stopped doing the Golden Globes, I've given up on award shows. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not big, I'm not big on awards. What's proven is what's proven on the field, uh, especially in a, in a team sport. I mean, it's a it's a shame that uh, Mason Nias is not the Heck Creighton Award winner. But, hey, let's take a step back from this and realize that there's four silos in this country that play university football. They don't play interlocking games. You don't have that, that crossover uh, comparison that can really give you a definitive answer on these things. So, uh, you know, as long as we're comparing athletes in, in different conferences – in non-televised leagues that are all in kind of a bit of a blackout or they're all in their, in their small streaming groups and there isn't that, that level of knowledge of the university player across this country that's playing in one region then you're going to have disparities like this. It's just inevitable. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, and I agree with that. Okay, uh, uh, Jim Mullen, president of Football Canada. I don't know if you want to make a prediction, but I think you kind of opened the door to something I wanted to talk about. Yes, uh, Scott Flory does not really have to give a speech now. Mason Nice is the undisputed leader of that team in that locker room. All those guys are going to go to war for him and leave it out on the field. I think for that reason, the U of S Huskies will emerge the champions. So, so we recorded Gridiron Nation back on Monday, mm-hmm. and and two out of the three panelists picked Saskatchewan. So I had to play devil's advocate and pick Laval. Uh, after this travesty, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm switching my my prognostication. Uh, I, I'm going to say uh, Saskatchewan uh, 26, uh, Laval 19. And you are talking to someone who actually gets the score of the 2013 Vanier Cup. So sometimes uh, this, this uh, blind squirrel can find a nut once in a while. Well, you're not a blind squirrel, uh, squirrel. We're lucky we got you where we got you. Thanks, man. We'll chat with you soon. Uh, uh, enjoy this weekend and then get some rest, okay? Uh, certainly. Bye. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And also the voice of all the sports properties, too. Your voice of Rough Riders Football 620 CKRM. Your voice of Rams Football 620 CKRM. We were even your voice twice of Regina Thunder Football. And, of course, we are the voice of Regina Pats Hockey. And they're back on the airwaves tonight in Vancouver, 930 
face-off there in Lotus Land. Uh, 9.05 pregame with our friend Dante DeCaria, who joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. By the way, I should say the show is brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Dante, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, man. Hey, how's the road trip been for you? It's been a while since you've been able to go out west on a bus, on the iron lung with the team. You know what? Um, it's, been, it's been interesting. It's been a very interesting road trip. You talk about, I think, day two, so it would have been, I guess, Wednesday, 15 hours on the bus. So it's been quite interesting, to say the least. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, this is a, this is a first... Uh, a number of firsts here, Dante. First WHL game for Bedard in the Western Conference. First WHL game in his home area as a Western Hockey Leaguer. His 100th game and a first chance to break his, to date, longest 21-game point streak. Could be an interesting night. I'm I'm jacked for this game and to listen to your call. I think this could be an interesting one. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get locked in just with all the other stuff going on with with Connor being here in Vancouver you talk about you know the fanfare and the buzz and the hype around the arena the last couple of days I mean yesterday at the rink it was an NHL size scrum no it really was Michael there was 22 total media members from the Vancouver market to talk to Connor Bedard yesterday at the Langley Event Center so that was a very cool moment um it was the probably the largest amount of media that Connor had talked to all at once the largest scrum like that like every big fish in Vancouver was there yesterday. They're going to be at the game tonight. I read an article somewhere that Michael Bublé is going to be at the game tonight to watch Connor. There's going to be some big, big fish at that rink tonight. So it's going to be really exciting. And yeah, you're right. Career game number 100, only fitting that he comes in his hometown. You know, it's it's funny because, uh, you know, talking to John Paddock earlier this week, and it was a great interview with him. It's my favorite one I've done with him, by the way. You could pass that along to him. Um, and we're going to replay it after six in our Sports Cage Rewind. But it's it's interesting because a lot of these guys, like yourself, they haven't been out of the bubble out west, so it's new for them. And it, he's excited to see how his team responds. No, I'm excited to see how they respond as well. And like I said, um, you know, it's so tough to kind of put into words just everything with this whole road trip. You talk about him, one player, one player selling out almost every rink in the province of British Columbia that has Westerly teams in it. That's insane. And if you look at the Pat side of things, yes, they've lost three in the row. Yes, they're coming off two tough losses to Winnipeg last week. But you look at the teams that are coming up, Vancouver under 500, Victoria way under 500. Kamloops, Kelowna, you know, Kamloops obviously above 500. They're hosting the Memorial Cup. Kelowna, you know, that's another team hovering around 500. Prince George, just a couple of games over 500. So these are all winnable games for me, right? I talked to Connor Bedard about that, I think, at practice yesterday, just a quick interview that will air tonight. And I asked him about, you know, how many winnable games are in front of them. And, I mean, he gave me the answer that, you know, they always like to think that they have a good chance of winning in that you know, every game is a winnable game for this group. But, I mean, that being said, I really do think the next five or six games on this road trip are going to be games the Pats can get, I don't know, if possible 12 points. I would, I'd be happy with eight, eight yeah. or nine. John uh, has said in our show, and we'll hear it again, like I said, after six, he said f- they want, f- you know, nothing nothing short of 500 on this stretch. Like, that's what we... Yeah, that's they can what, get more. That's what you need to see. And I'm glad you, you say that, and I can't wait for your call. Hey, back to Bedard and the big day yesterday. How did he handle it? You know what? He handled it like a pro. He really did. 
Like, he was out front. He spoke to the media. He took every question. He answered it well. He did a great job yesterday. I was quite proud of him, just like, uh, you know, I'm proud of him every single day that I have the opportunity to work with just such a fine young gentleman. So, no, that was uh, that was good. There's going to be more coming up on this trip. Quite a few scrums lined up in every single city with all the local media, and for example, Kelowna, Kamloops, you name it. So there's going to be uh, quite a bit of fanfare coming into each rink. You know, you walk out to the bus, you walk outside the rink after practice. There's people, fans watching practice. There's people, you know, asking for pictures and waiting near the bus and kids and stuff like that. You know, the city is just so excited. And, I mean, I think they'd like to see him don a Vancouver Connection someday. I think that's what the, the fans here in Vancouver are hoping for one day. Just keep blowing leads and you'll get there because they're blowing leads left and right. As long as they get up by two, it's over. Uh, okay, so, and, and here's my thing here, Dante. Why do you, like, is it, is it, is it, um, we don't appreciate what we have in our own back rink, so to speak? Like, like you yeah. see all, you see all these rinks are sold out and ours is far from sold out and we've got him here every other night. No, I totally agree with you, Michael, because it really, like, I think myself, the coaching staff, maybe his teammates, just because we're around him every day, kind of maybe take it for granted a little bit. Maybe that is the wrong word to kind of describe it. But I'm like, I'm starting to pinch myself now after yesterday, right? And I think the fans in Regina, especially with Connor not going to be able to play a single game at home until after World Juniors, have to come out and see this guy play in the new year. Like, they have to. Because... He's just that good, A. And B, you know, when where's the next closest NHL rink that you'll have an opportunity to see him at? You're going to have to drive eight hours to Calgary or seven or six or whatever it is, mm-hmm. six hours to Winnipeg, nine hours to Edmonton. Like, that's the only other time you'll be able to watch him play. And then you talk about hotels, gas money, this, that, and that. You're really having to make the whole trip out of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you come watch him play in the Queen City in Regina, you can watch him right here and there in your own backyard for the back half of the season, right? Like, that's how good he is. Um, and You know, here's the last thing is we're up against the clock, and I know you need to get locked in, and, and you're a busy guy, and I appreciate you taking my call. So lastly, it's interesting because you got Bedard, everybody's there, all the media and everything. It's it's a good opportunity for the Suzdalevs and the Tanner Howes and those kind of guys to get a little bit more attention on them just by being on the same ice with Connor Bedard. No, absolutely. I mean, Connor has, you know, had a lot of chemistry with Boris and Alice and Alexander Suzdalev and um, Tanner Howe, I guess, since the start of the season. But going back to last season with Howe and Alice. So, yeah, it's a great opportunity for those four or three other players. Sorry, I guess if you include Skolzo because they all play together on the power play. But, yeah, it's an opportunity for scouts to see them. Obviously, Suzdalev and Skolzo are already drafted. Alice knocking on the door would like to be drafted this year. He's eligible. Tanner Howe won't be eligible until next year. That's going to be a really big year for him to see what he can do uh, without Connor Bedard by his side. So, no, it's it's great for the younger players. And, uh, you know, like I just said, I mean, they don't see him as the star that everyone else sees him as. They just see him as a close friend and another and another teammate. Well, I look forward to your call a little later on tonight. Thanks, Dante. Take care, and we'll uh, be listening. Okay, thank you. That's Dante a voice of your Regina Pats, playing the Vancouver Giants tonight. The hype is there. Should be a good one. 9.05 pregame show, 9.30, the uh, play-by-play. We'll be back with more of the sports cage for Nelson Holmes on 620.com. 
You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage for Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. When you're ordering a Western Pizza, ask about the Rough Rider Suite deal, and you could be in the running to sit in a luxury suite with a friend or whoever you want to bring to the game next year in 2023. Our text line brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. Joining me on the other side of the board here is Blaine Weiland from our sports department. Blaine, uh, you got a couple of texts there, so I'll let you do that before I get to a tweet, and we'll talk about some quarterbacks here. Yeah, okay, we got a couple. First yeah. off, Ballsy, I cannot believe that Mason Nias is not even a first-team All-Star. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable that his CS, he asked, the text asked, is the CIS run by CFL executive? If this kid's not signed by the Riders, it ends up on another CFL team. I've already emailed the Rider ticket office and said I will not be renewing my tickets after next year. That's uh, Rick from Okay, Rick, that's good. That's good. To, you know, good to support the local guy. I don't, I don't know if I throw the football team under the bus, but I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. What else you got there, Blaine? And this one's from Mark. Hey, Ballsy, just a little constructive feedback. Totally okay with your feedback being candid. My feedback is I would take the baby voice that you use in describing some of Cody's statements out. Just state it straight out. Just my opinion. That could oh. be what people take offense with. Oh, he means when I say, oh, the receivers aren't getting open and nobody's getting the ball. Yeah, okay, I get it. Okay, oh, yeah, you know, I'll take that under advisement. And I mean that. I'll take that under advisement. And you got another text here, too? You saw one more coming in here? Yeah. It's a little longer. A little one. Take your time. Go ahead. It's from Stephen. Cody was given many opportunities to be a leader. A new coordinator, Moss, a revamped playbook to fit Cody, Duke, etc. The line was a detriment, but not a roadblock. Teams in the past have done well, even with a crappy old line. Check out BC's team in 2016. I believe they gave up 76 sacks, yet still finished 12-6. and Cody doesn't have a pocket passer's mechanics. He can't even throw a spiral, let alone throw a receiver open or toss a nice air ball. He was a runner for a reason. Anyway, riders need a leader on character, a bigger body with a release and a strong arm. If they can't scout a decent quarterback, then they better get a better scouting system. What is up with the riders? They can never seem to find a quarterback. Last one was Durant and Austin, mainly as he was brought into league by us and Durant was found by Hamilton. Yeah, well, um, a lot of teams don't get don't get their own quarterbacks, okay? Winnipeg didn't get their own quarterback, okay, for instance, that led them to two straight championships. McLeod Bethel Thompson's played everywhere. He got them to the Grey Cup. Yeah, you could say he's Toronto, but they didn't develop him. Um, uh, you know, Calgary's done it. BC drafted Rourke. At one time, Edmonton had uh, Dunnigan, Allen, and Tracy Ham. Are you talking like a plethora of riches? Crazy. Okay, so... I got this. Uh, I saw this on Twitter. It was brought to my attention uh, from uh, Danny Austin, who's been on the show before. Calgary Sun uh, writer does a great job. He doesn't. He's not really a fan of mine, but that's okay. Um, I don't. I'm not here to make friends. I, I respect people that cover the league. Danny does a good job. All I'll say about Ballsy is I hope for his sake he's right. He's not my guy, but going that hard on both signing and Regina takes guts. Credit to him if his info is right. My info with a guy I've had a relationship for much longer is different, but it's not reportable. Well, let's be let let's be straight up here. I was on the Rider Nation podcast. I did not at any time say anything that I shouldn't have said. I I texted Bo Levi Mitchell and Bo Levi I said, How was Regina? How was Regina? How was the Great Cup? It was great. Had a blast. Reminds me of Texas. That, that what's 
What's so bad about reporting that? My belief is if the Riders get the OC he wants, for instance, just for instance, a guy who's interviewed with the team, whose grandfather's Ron Lancaster, who grew up in Regina, played for the Rams, and until the Rams screwed it up and hired Mike Gibson, which was a terrible mistake, he probably would have been the head coach of the University of Regina Rams after Frank left. Mark Mueller, if he comes here as the offensive coordinator, he and Bo are tight. They have a relationship in Calgary. It all comes down to the OC. So if the OC is something Bo likes, Bo would be a... And you'll snicker at me, but if you took all the pros and all the cons, Bo Levi Mitchell would be foolish not to sign in Saskatchewan. In fact, it would be a huge mistake not to sign in Saskatchewan. If you took in... If the Riders beef up their O-line... With a good running back room, good fullbacks, some good Canadian receivers, you can find, if you have a scouting department, that's where O'Day needs to come through. They can get themselves some cheap American receivers, beef up both lines, O and D. You got a quarterback that I still think has gas in the tank. And yes, he has an easier chance of going through the East to the Grey Cup. I get it. But he also wants to kick Calgary's butt, and he'd love to do it as many times as he can. You don't think he'd like to be a thorn in their side? And of course people in Calgary will say he's not coming to Saskatchewan because they don't want him here. That's why Huffnagel traded him out there. They want Hamilton or somebody to get him. It's a two-horse race, folks. Toronto's not in. He's not going to Toronto. He'll, He'll kick the tires, as he should. He is going to free agency, my prediction. I say... It's 65-35 that he'll be wearing number 19, a green jersey. Sam Emelis will have to find another jersey, and we will be talking Bo Levi Mitchell in Saskatchewan. That is my opinion. I So I went on this podcast, and the thing about CFL News, they do a great job covering the league, but they're also for clicks and retweets and all this stuff. They just take a little snippet of what you said in the podcast, and they don't let it play out. So sometimes it doesn't paint the right picture. I I had said... That I think Bo Levi Mitchell, I asked them the question. I think Bo Levi Mitchell is one of the top quarterbacks in the league. So I've, I've, and even Eddie Steele, who's going to be on in a bit, he's not a big Bo Levi guy. Thinks he's, uh, his best before date is done. So Blaine, turn on your mic. Let's go through this. See what you think. Okay. All right. Uh, take Nathan Rourke out of the deal. Okay. Zach Kalaros is the number one quarterback in the league. Hands down. Hands down. So who's your number two? You know, we went back and forth of this, and I think we, I'm kind of spoiling it because I'll talk about two and three. We were talking about the two Calgary quarterbacks, Jake Mayer or Bo Levi Mitchell. Mm-hmm. After he signed that contract, I don't know how you can put Jake Mayer ahead of Bo, Le- Bo Levi Mitchell, you honestly. You can't. No, you can't. The guy, the guy has a better resume. He came in off the bench in the second half, and that first drive put the ball on the money to. Top elite throws there on that drive before he got sacked and they couldn't get in the end zone. So I would put Bo Levi Mitchell and Jake Mayer in a tie. If you made me pick, I'd pick Bo second. Yeah, I I agree. Okay, Trevor Harris probably then would drop the fourth behind Mayer. Yep. Then I've got, it's a coin flip between Vernon Adams Jr. and Cody Fajardo. Yeah, I'm going back and forth with those guys, with those two. Um, you know, Adams, I think, is a better scrambler. I'm trying to think more about 20, 
you know, 2019 Cody Fajardo as yeah. opposed to 2022. Because, you know, like, yeah. this wasn't his best body of work. If he can go back to 2019 when he, you know, first mm-hmm. became the star for the Riders, I would put him ahead. Just that, that, Those are like kind of 5A, 5B. Those two are, are, I feel like, are very neck and neck. I just, I feel like Adams is a scrambler, Fajardo's the passer. Okay, so I'm going, uh, that is your quarterbacking tandem for the BC Lions next year. Vernon Adams and Cody Fajardo. That will be your BC Lions quarterback tandem. If Nathan Rourke doesn't come back, I don't think he's coming back. Then I'd put Jeremiah Masoli down only because of his health. If Jeremiah was healthy, I'm not doing jumping jacks over Jeremiah Masoli, but I think he's better than Vernon Adams Jr. and Cody Fajardo. Yeah, if he's, he's healthy. If he's healthy, yeah. But I can't say he's healthy, so I put him down. Then I would sneak Dane Evans in only because I want to remember Dane Evans from a race this year and go backwards. But I think he's in the same boat as Cody. Little bit like seeing shadows, seeing ghosts, beat up like a pinata. His confidence really took a dent. He did beat Hamill, or sorry, he did beat Winnipeg this year. Yes, he did. Taylor Cornelius, I, he's played better than I thought he would. I'd put him behind Dane Evans. So, I don't know, man. That's how I see it. I, you know, Cornelius might be a guy. I put him ahead of Dane Evans for sure. I might even put him up there with Fajardo and Vernon Adams. And okay. Kind of those three right there. Okay, so it's all, basically, it's a mishmash. Yeah. And, and, and Chad Kelly, small sample size. And it looks like McLeod Bethel Thompson is going to probably be done. And McLeod Bethel Thompson's right in there, too, because he's good enough to keep both teams in the game. You know, I've seen some uh, interactions afterwards uh, about your tweet, and a lot of people are saying McLeod Bethel Thompson should be number two overall. He played in a crappy East Division propped up by stats. And part of the problem is, too, is he going to be around in 2023? That's what I mean. He's yeah. probably not going to be here. Anyway, uh, that's what we think. What do you think? 936-6262, the number to text. But it's time to get to this. Well, politics at its best on display last night at the University of Western in London, Ontario, as the hardware was handed out in U-Sports football in advance of the Vanier Cup between the U of S and Laval. Now, Laval receiver Kevin Mattel was named the Heck Creighton Trophy winner as the best player in the country. He led the country in receptions with 58 and receiving yards with 751 in eight regular season games. And his 12 touchdown receptions were a school record and tied the conference record. Those are good stats, especially the 12 touchdowns, but not outstanding and not MVP worthy and not in the ballpark of Mason Nias, the U of S Huskies quarterback. The Regina kid put up almost 2,800 yards with 18 touchdown passes and only three interceptions. Plus, Nias plays in the best conference in Canada, and that's not up for debate. Now, I hear all these flimsy excuses as to why he didn't get it. Everything from Nias is just a pocket passer to Mattel is the better pro prospect. What? I didn't know you had to be a running quarterback to get the award. Nowhere do I see that in the list of prerequisites. I didn't even know there is a certain criteria you have to meet. Also, this award isn't about predicting who's pro football future is going to be better. It's the college football award. Who's the best that season, isn't it? Unless it isn't. It all depends on the narrative. Let's go back to 2019 when the Huskies running back Adam Mackart had a record-breaking season and he was also denied the top award as it was given to Western quarterback Chris Merchant. Let's look at some of the stats. 
Mackert was the Can West nominee. That year, he had 1,330 yards rushing, which was first in the nation, 314 yards more than the second-place rusher. He averaged 8.5 yards a carry, eight rushing touchdowns, 166 yards a game. That was also first in Canada, 40 yards more per game than second place, no fumbles, and also had 204 yards through the air with three touchdown grabs. Merchant that year won the heck with 23. 378 yards passing, which was third in the nation. 14 touchdown passes, which was fourth in the nation. Eight interceptions, tied for fourth last in the nation. He had 438 yards rushing with six touchdowns. So not exactly Trey Ford or Michael Vick-like. Here's a funny one. Merchant wasn't even the best quarterback in the OUA that season. Toronto's quarterback had more yards, 240 more yards, had more touchdown passes, 24, which was 10 more, and tied with Merchant with eight interceptions and had 402 yards rushing. But a lot of people said at that time, Merchant was given the award because it was a celebration of his career. Well, couldn't you have said the same thing about Mason Nias? A celebration of his career. A guy that's got his team to back-to-back Vanier Cups who has never lost as a starter on home turf. Prior to Trey Ford winning the heck last year, a player from the Can West won the heck for five straight seasons. It's looking more and more to me that if two players are close, they will shy away as much as they can from giving a Can West player the award for a while. That's how it looks to me. It looks very rigged. Because for five straight years, it wasn't even close. A Can West player ran away with the award. Buckley twice, Picton, Ilnicki, and Sinagra. Now all of a sudden, when players are close from a different conference, they give it to another conference. <laughs> and once again, I'll reiterate, when it's close, it's not even close here. You know, 12 touchdowns is really impressive for a receiver, but it's not in the same stratosphere as Nias. And check this out. This is even more egregious than not giving the kid the Heck Crichton Award. So he's the only quarterback up for the most outstanding player in Canada, okay? The only quarterback, and he's not named a first-team All-Star. Can we let that marinate for a second? Can somebody please explain that to me? You want to stop conspiracy theories? Then stop BS like this. On a positive note, I'll wrap up by saying congratulations to a couple of University of Regina Rams. Anthony Bennett, who is outstanding this year, the best defensive player in the Can West. I'm not sure how he wasn't up for that award nationally. But Anthony Bennett and Tanner Schmeckel, both on the Rams D-line, were named first-team All-Stars, and they're deserving of it. Grocery Store. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the sports cage for our friends at uh, Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Michael Ball along with my producer Blaine Weiland from our sports department. Let's head out on the hotline, speak with this guy, Vanier Cup champ, Grey Cup champ, lives in Edmonton, played for the Manitoba Bisons. Good guy, Eddie Steele. Hi, Eddie. Ballsy, how are you, man? Awesome, man. So, I don't know if you heard my rant there, but Nias got absolutely jobbed in Western uh, yesterday at the Heck Crichton Awards. Guy averaged 340 yards passing. The Laval receiver averaged 80 yards uh, uh, a game receiving and 12 touchdowns. Listen, I'm not. Cu- these guys are student athletes. My kid's a student athlete. I respect all of them, but it's embarrassing how the East 
just does anything they can to screw the West. This thing seems rigged. Yeah, notoriously, I mean, uh, I caught the tail end of uh, what you were saying, and they're always going to lean to the East. I I don't get it. It was like that, too, during my era. Uh, Even if there was something relatively close, they lean to the East. Uh, They feel like that's, you know, because population density, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But in my opinion, it's garbage. And and you said something about uh, Canada West and how they're trying to, how uh, five straight years someone's won it and, uh, man, that made me feel so prideful because Canada West, it's bully football in the Canada West Conference. It's so much different than the OUA in the out uh, in um, uh, in Quebec. Yeah, and I am so prideful of it. Yeah, and I tell you what, it was well, it is the best conference. Uh, it, it makes absolutely no sense. And the other one is hilarious, and you never can get a straight answer from people. I'm endeavoring to do that. They're supposed to line me up somebody from Monday because how does the guy who's up for the heck Crichton as the only quarterback up for the heck Crichton not be your first team All Star quarterback? That makes no sense. Yeah, you're right. Uh, almost kind of similar to the uh, CFL All-Star process, eh? Yeah, for sure. So you and I went back and forth on Twitter, and I like it because we we're we two gentlemen. We're two men. We uh, have healthy debates without calling people names and stuff, which doesn't seem to be the way of the world. Uh, so I went on this Rider Nation podcast with Maz and, and, and uh, Kelly Kirsch, and people take little snippets, uh, quotes, and they don't really uh, listen to it because we don't want to sit down and listen to anything nowadays. So, uh, you know, I encourage people to do that, to listen to the whole thing. But I said on that podcast, rank me the top quarterbacks. And we just did it here on the show before we called you up. I got, take Nathan Rourke out of the equation. I've got, I've got uh, Kalaros first, and then it's a, it's a mystery. It really is. I, I say Bo and Jake Mayer are in a, in a dead heat at two, and I would give Bo Levi Mitchell number one, like ahead of him, I'd put him at two, and you tell me I'm an idiot. So go ahead. <laughs> well, you're an idiot. <laughs> but, no, in all reality, uh, I, I, I'm really bullish on Jake, because, uh, Jake Meyer because, A, he showed really well last year uh, when he had the opportunity, and he outplayed Bo when he had the opportunity last year. My whole reasoning is, look, Bo had the keys to the franchise this year. Bo was their guy. Bo had every opportunity. Bo didn't seize those opportunities. Jake came in. Sure, their stats might be similar, but Jake, I feel, outplayed Bo. And, you know, look, Huffnagel, I'm never going to second-guess him because he is notoriously known for getting rid of a guy one year too early as opposed to having him one year too late, and that can be catastrophic for an organization. So, so you're, so you're telling sh- me, Eddie, you're telling me, Eddie, Eddie Steele, that it's buyer beware. You think Bo's washed? <laughs> I didn't say washed, but <laughs> I, I've been saying I, I don't think Bo is the Bo that we've all been accustomed to, and I, I've been saying that. I've said that literally since during last football season. I, I think he's been he's coming off injuries. He had a great performance in the uh, the playoff game, but man, that's nothing. He's coming off the bench. The other team wasn't prepared for him. Sure, you can come in and throw some passes and stuff like that when uh, the team isn't game planning for you and things of that nature. 
completely different situation. He, he provided a spark, sure, but I don't think you, you line Bo up uh, for a full regular season. You're going to get those types of performances game in, game out. Okay, so you got Mayer at two then with Rourke out of the equation. How would you? So give me your top five. So we got Kalaros, we got Mayer, then who, who, who do you got? Because people are saying I'm nuts putting uh, Bo in the top five, and I say he's not. I say it's hilarious. He got benched, and he's going to get one of the biggest paydays in CFL history, which is hilarious. So uh, I say he is number two, but who do you got behind Mayer then? Go ahead, because it's a, it's a dog's breakfast after that. Yeah, and that's just where the CFL is in reality of the state of the quarterback position. So I, you got to put respect on MBT's name. The guy led the league in passing. Like, he put up the numbers, so he's got to be up there ahead of Mayer, in my opinion, even, uh, okay. because that just is what it is. You know, the guy's recency bias just won a great cup, and uh, he was the best quarterback in the league statistically. So he's got to be up there. Uh, and then, so we got Zach, MBT, Jake, uh, you know, and then you got to put Bo in there by default just because the quarterbacks in the league, everybody knows it's, uh, there's no depth after the top couple, it really falls off a cliff. So yeah, Bo's in there just cause he's kind of got to be slotted. In okay. There. So we got about 40 seconds or so, uh, um, do you feel like it's kind of Bo Levi, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell or bust for the riders? Like if they don't get Bo, what do they do? Oh, man, and that's just it. Like, what do they do? <laughs> if, even if they do get Bo, it's not like Bo is going to block for himself. They got <laughs> True. so many issues, right? So it's like Bo can come, but Bo's not going to be a savior. You, football is the ultimate team game. And if you don't, it's begun and lost in the trenches. And if you don't have an O-line, look what happened this past season. And that's not only because Cody's poor production. It's because of the O-line. So that's where you got to look first and foremost. I'm also getting uh, burned here because people are mad that I called him, uh, that that I said he isn't, uh, he's not mentally tough enough to be the quarterback of the Rough Riders. Uh, Did I unfairly criticize him there, in your opinion? Uh, No, I I don't think you unfairly criticized him. Uh, I've spoken to a lot of people, players, guys who have been in that locker room, guys who have been around pro football for many, many, many years, yourself has been around pro football for many years. Uh, a lot of people feel the same way. And uh, I'll leave it at that. All right, man. I appreciate your time. You're always a great uh, follow on Twitter, and you're always a great guy to talk to. And we'll have you on again soon, okay? Thanks, Eddie. It's a hey, great debate. I love debating, man. Love it, Ballsy. It's all good, man. Have a good weekend. Take care. You two be safe. When we come back on the other side of Sports Cage Rewind with John Paddock in the lead-up to tonight's hockey game, and we'll also hear our senior hockey report and get to some other things before the show is done. This is the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. I'm Michael Ball. Thanks for having us on wherever you're listening, however you're listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. On the other side of the board here is my friend Blaine Weiland from the Sports Department. He's filling in for Sean Kleisinger, who thankfully, and that's no disrespect to Blaine, but he is coming back. Coming back after having a little bit of an issue with multiple sclerosis. Uh, I know he's listening. Zinger, can't wait till you're back. And Blaine's done a great job. Colson and Nick as well. All right, so the Pats are getting ready to take on the Vancouver Giants tonight. Just before we get to our sports cage rewind, and it does pertain to that. Um, 
We had uh, Dante DeCary on the show earlier, Blaine, and we were talking about uh, sold-out barns across uh, uh, B.C. First time Regina's been out of the bubble out west since the pandemic. His first game in his hometown, 22 media members there. Um, first WHL game, I should say, Connor Bedard. Um, and, you know, here in Regina, we talked about, oh, maybe we don't appreciate him. I think we appreciate him, but... It's not cheap to go to a Pats game. Let's be honest. $42 tickets for, you know, a $32 ticket or whatever it is for, like, even a four-year-old to go to the game. That's pretty pricey. Yeah, and especially, you know, we're coming off of the whole inflation, especially from the summertime. We all heard about the situation yeah. with the Rough Riders. It kind of seems like it's carrying over into the winter here. So check this out, though. Blaine was looking this up. Look at the ticket prices for these games out. They got, like, five games out west. Check this out. Like, So what are we looking at in Vancouver tonight? Just just off the top of our head here. It's about uh, $232. <laughs> $232 to go watch Bedard tonight. That's not what they normally charge. What It's like 100 and some for standing room in Kelowna, isn't it? Yeah, $100 for a standing room in Kelowna. Now, it gets a little bit better in Kamloops, the site of the Memorial Cup. What are they, about 60 bucks? I think you said? 60 bucks, you get a good seat. So that seems like the best place to go in BC to see Bedard right now. Yeah, so so 42 doesn't seem that bad when you think about it. Hopefully, people will show up. But here's the thing. Here's a big question. So when, he's he's done now till after Christmas, right? When he comes back, there won't be much room between then and the trade deadline. Do you think he gets traded, or do you think the Pats hold on to him? I say Sean Semple wants to hear on the microphone at the draft with the first overall pick in the NHL draft, the Chicago Blackhawks select from the Regina Pats, Connor Bedard. I think that's what Sean's going to do. Sean is going to keep him here. I, I'm starting to think that way too, but I, I got a feeling that Kamloops or one of these teams out west is going to come with a big offer. That you got to think that they're going to get the biggest offer. I mean, it's Connor Bedard. Even if it's only for a couple months, it's still Connor Bedard. They got to take it. You can set your team up for success for years to come. Uh, hey, far from me to tell Sean Semple what to do because he's a rich man and he's rich for a reason because he knows how to grow businesses. I've worked with him. I have respect for him. But I would have. And now I don't know what it costs to run a team and everything like that. I'm just a lowly radio announcer. Coffee mugs and t-shirts, okay? Winter jackets from the station. But I would have dropped the price. Wouldn't you have had a wouldn't you have been better to have more people in the barn at say $25 a ticket or $22 a ticket and they go to the game and they're excited and then the next year once Bedard's gone, People are still excited to call. Dad, take me to a game. It was such a great time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying there. Because, because you just that's how you build a fan base. I don't know. It seems like they're trying to capitalize on Bedard here, but people aren't going to the games. Now, a lot of it has to do with this is a rider in CFL town. It was a great cup year. So maybe once there's quote unquote nothing to do in Regina, people will go watch Bedard, but there might not be a lot of time if they trade him. There could be only like a two week window. Yeah, I mean, like they come back, they don't, they're gone till December. 10th and then of course there's a quick turnaround for him for World Juniors so I mean that's it yeah and then he comes back and he might have January 10th January 10th 10th. he might have a couple of home games I haven't looked at their schedule anyway John Paddock joined us earlier this week this is something we call Sports Cage Rewind for taking my call how are you I'm good thanks glad to take it yeah so are you driving yourself are you on the bus with the team how does this work uh, no, I'm ahead of the team a little bit for a couple of reasons. I 
try to drive quite a bit uh, just with the health situation. Yeah. And uh, also, I have a daughter out here I'm going to see for one day. So, yeah, combination. It's awesome, man. Yeah, because I was going to ask you, a, a guy who's gone through some health things in his 60s, if you like going on the iron lung anymore. Well... I don't mind it at all, but just with all the stuff that happened to me last year, and there's a lot of just many different viruses out there this year, I'm going to be on it for a good part of this trip, but just not at the start. That's good. Hey, John, two losses in Winnipeg, but by all accounts, your team played hard. Your thoughts? Yeah, I thought we played, you know, pretty good against a really, you know, the number one ranked team in the country, and. Uh, did we deserve better? Well, they're number one for a reason, but actually, I thought we were going to win the first game of those two games, and uh, you know, we fell short in the third period, but um, yeah, it'll be it'll be good and interesting to see where we're at with other teams here, because uh, I liked our game for the most part last weekend. Is it kind of refreshing on the other side of COVID to get out west and see some of these teams in different settings for your guys? Well, for sure it is. I think maybe more for us to have experienced it. Uh, it it's, it's sort of strange. I mean, there's guys who have played here counting the hub three years, and we've never seen a, a whole Moraway team up from, from BC to promote here in this trip. I think it's exciting, and I think it's, it's new. But, you know, we have to, you know, really be focused and keep the job at hand and not get distracted with anything so it's it's, it's different it's you know COVID's remain to play a little bit of havoc with things I don't know if this is havoc but it's 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 different it shouldn't be like this but that's this is the way it is uh, John what do you get in Riley Janelle as you acquired him from uh, Moose Jaw he split his time I think between Brandon and Moose Jaw what do you get in that overage forward well I believe we're getting uh, you know a big body guy he's six foot four uh, gives us a little bit more size. Uh, he had a left-hand shot. We were really abnormal. We've had we have more right-hand shots up front than left-hand shots. A small thing, but I think a big thing and important. He had 14 goals and 34 points last year with Brandon. He had some good players he's playing with. I think we have some good forwards up there. So I wouldn't say it's a mystery. I wouldn't say it's a lot, but we're looking, we're looking forward to, you know, his attributes being added to our team. Uh, John, we got a text from Glenn. He says, I'm a diehard Pats fan here. What have you liked about the group so far this season, and what would you like to see your team do a better job of? That's from Glenn. Well, uh, I like how we've played for the most part. Um, I think our our record isn't quite as good as we've played, uh, but also, you know, we're, we're still pretty young. Uh, we have to keep gaining from our experience. Like I said a little bit earlier, I'm looking forward to seeing what we're going to do with some other teams now after how we play against Winnipeg. So um, just keep gaining experience. Uh, keep the puck out of our net. Our goalies have been pretty good, and our penalty killing's been better than it was last year. Those two things can lead to... Uh, you know, some good results for us. Alex Suzdalev, eight-game point streak. Is there any back and forth between, you know, Pat's Brass, yourself, and the Capitals and feedback you're getting from what they're seeing from him? Is, is there a little give and take during the season like that? Uh, 
there is definitely during the season. There hasn't been uh, too much lately. I mean, their assistant general manager and basically their top evaluator, evaluator uh, Ross Mahoney, lives right in Regina. So that connection, you know, helped in working with his representatives, uh, which is Newport, the same as Connor, you know, get him to come here. And uh, so I have a good relationship with Ross. Our organization does. So there's definitely feedback. But uh, he's got a lot of other players to watch in the upcoming draft. But uh, it's a, it's a, he's been really good for us. Uh, he's continuing to learn the North American style in a smaller rink. But uh, he's a very dangerous player. He can really shoot the puck. Coach, uh, what what can you what else can you say about Bedard? Nine straight multi-point uh, games. Uh, just your thoughts on his play. Uh, is there something you want to see different from him, or is it pretty much according to script right now? Um, I think it's pretty much according to script, and that's not you know no more than fifty percent to do with the points. He's really uh, not that he wasn't before, and he's. You know, as any player is, they have, you know, a little bit of off games and a little bit better games, but his uh, execution of the game all over the ice and, you know, doing a lot of little things that lead to opportunities and, uh, you know, he's been, he's been really solid in every zone. Uh, you know, I think for the first time, well, for an extended period of time, that being probably around 45 seconds, I used the other Winnipeg on five on three against Tanner Howe first and then Connor. And uh, that's taking a step because uh, he ended up blocking a shot near the end of it. And uh, so his game is uh, at a pretty high level. Coach, uh, last one for you. I like picking the brains of smart hockey guys. You'd be among them. I talked to Chris Cuthbert earlier about this. I, you know, in football, I like the fact they move the point after attempt back to 32 yards. It makes a meaningless play. You know, you don't go to the fridge for a beer. I love three-on-three hockey as opposed to a shootout. How about you? Do you like the three-on-three? Like, I'd like to see him go 10 minutes three-on-three and decide it that way. I like the three on three better than the shootout. Like the shootout just becomes a, you know, like, you know, people call it the skills contest. I guess that's what it is. But um, I like the three on three too. Uh, I'm not sure what, you know, in all of hockey, the schedule that you have, whether it works to keep extending the game. I mean, they're usually over fairly quick, so it probably wouldn't go ten minutes. But um, you know, for us. We play uh, Friday night in Vancouver at 6 o'clock start in Victoria. I mean, we're going to take the ferry. Our, our, our times are set, but just the longer you play, it becomes more difficult. I think that's that way at every level, but it, it's exciting. I think it's good. Uh, I certainly don't want to ever see it come into playoff games, but... Uh, it's, I agree with you. It's a pretty exciting time. Pete, lastly, Coach, I've been on a, a couple of these uh, trips uh, back in the day with the Pats, actually, as, a, as, a, as an announcer. What's a, what, what's a realistic goal for you in terms of points, wins, or do you even look at that? Are you looking more at performance? I know you guys have had a couple of losses of uh, you know tough games on the road here as of late. What are you looking for out here in terms of success rate? Well... I'd say it's a combination. Like we, you know, we need to come out of here with um, a 500 record of these six games. I think that's very doable, um, and you know, maybe something else with it um, depends on the, you know, different injuries you can hit and so forth. But um, 
expected. We took off on this trip. We were on four to five. But, mm-hmm. uh, we have the personnel to do it. We need to be a little bit more consistent and not shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, and that's not to say other teams aren't doing something to deserve it, but um, we definitely want to be 500 or a little bit better. Well, John, thanks for your time. Safe travels, my friend, and good luck out here uh, getting to see some new environments for some of these kids. So uh, thanks for your time. Safe travels. Great. Thank you very much. That's John Patcom. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. All right, just uh, wrapping up the show here. We're going to get to our senior hockey report in a second. Penguins over the Flyers, 4-0 at the end of 2. Blues and Lightning still to come. Devils and Sabres still to come. Islanders and Blue Jackets still to come, as are the Coyotes and Red Wings. Kraken and Golden Knights. Kraken off their good start this year. Uh, Jets and Stars, Kings and Sharks. Earlier, Ottawa whipped the Ducks 5-1. to one. Avalanche and Predators postponed to Nashville because of a water main break. Uh, Canadians over the Blackhawks 3-2 in a shootout. The uh, Capitals blank the Flames 3-0. Leafs over the Wild 4-3. And the Bruins 3-2 over the Hurricanes in NHL. Action uh, earlier today in the World Cup of Soccer, Iran shocked Wales 2-0. Ecuador over Netherlands. Or actually, that was a 1-1 tie. Senegal beat Qatar 3-1. And England over the... Or no, England and USA played to a scoreless draw. In fact, USA soccer fans were chanting, It's called soccer! It's getting kind of a, it's called soccer. Uh, that's funny. Hey, so uh, Blaine, uh, you said that there was a, a fight between mascots? Yeah, because uh, of course, it's a lot of rivalry games going yeah. on in college football. The Arizona Sun Devils and the Arizona Wildcats mascots got into a little tilt this afternoon. A real fight. A real fight. I love it, man. Well, ma- as real as you can get for mascots. Yeah. Because they yeah. do got protection. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, um, uh, this day in sports, it was on this day in 2007 that the Riders beat Ryan Dinwiddie and the Blue Bombers 23 19, I believe, at the Grey Cup uh, in uh, Toronto. Also, well, it was the, the playoffs. Was playoffs. It? Yeah. Playoffs. Yeah, Jim Mora. What was interesting about that game, though? The old Jim Mora, he lost to his son. Jim Mora Jr. was a defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers because that game, the 49ers beat the Colts, and Jim Mora Jr. got the game ball for that win. Oh, nice. Awesome. And uh, you, man, tragedy follows the Humboldt Broncos around. We know the bus crash, but you were actually in Humboldt for a game when a player passed away. Tell me quickly about that story. Yeah, 25 years ago, uh, Nippon Hawks were playing the Humboldt Broncos, and Graham Christie uh, eventually passed away. He took a puck in the throat. Um, I remember that when it happened, I was sitting uh, just off the blue line. It was inside the Hawks zone, and the entire rink fell silent. Uh, You could just hear ambulance or the... uh, um, I guess the, uh, the the crew at yeah. the rink were just screaming, and uh, that yeah. was all you could hear. It's just uh, the medics getting on the ice right away, and yeah. uh, that was the only thing you could hear. It's just uh, the hush after that. And obviously the game was uh, postponed, mm-hmm. and yeah, unfortunately, I was the 25th anniversary of that. Uh, rinks around the province will be jumping here uh tonight and this weekend with senior hockey and as we uh, wrap up the show we do this every Friday we did it earlier we'll do it again Uh, our senior hockey report on Fridays here on the sports cage we'll talk to you Monday
time for the Monday Nooner Senior Hockey Report here on the Sports Cage. It's getting to that time. All 12 leagues are firing around the province. Gotta love it. I know we're actually down to 104 teams in the province. We had one team drop out, but lots of big games coming up. Lots of great action around the province, fellas. That's for sure. And very unfortunate that the Whitewood Orioles couldn't make a go of it this year. So they had to back out of the Sask East League. But uh, a lot of the players found new homes that wanted to play. So that's good and unfortunate for uh, Whitewood. And Boz, I'm hearing lots of drama down in Oxbow. What's going on down there? It is new news every day. Senior hockey's just got this circle of things happening and things buzzing. Oxbow Huskies, apparently they broke a rule in regards to imports and elite players. They can only have so many players who played an elite level of hockey, junior A or higher. Apparently they thought one guy should be a local. Apparently he's not. So they're 4-0. and Rumor has it they might have to forfeit all four games. Ooh. And unbelievable if you didn't listen to the monday nooner senior hockey top 10 podcast this week on itunes or uh, spotify here it is quickly number 10 was langenberg nine was drake they fell wainwright was eight grenfell seven winyard six Carnduff undefeated in the big six at five wadena the wagons are number four Three, the Balcaris Bronx jump in there. Number two, the Kindersley Senior Clippers and still the number one team in the province, the Keniston Blizzard. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of great teams here in the province. Some movement this week. If you're around Regina area, go check out some of these teams. Lots of great action. Lots of big games coming up this weekend around the province. And I know people on this station listen from all over. I got one game in the Sask West I can't wait for. The Wilkie Outlaws host the Kindersley Clippers, two of the top teams. And Barry, I know there's lots of other great ones coming up too. Friday night, you don't have to go very far if you're in the Carlisle area because they're taking on Carnduff. Both teams are undefeated. Carnduff's 5-0 and and Carlisle is 3-0. and And then also Friday, your boys belts, the Eston Pretenders. They take on Dinsmore in the Champions League. Guys, you know what? My big uh, my big game this week, just because you talked about them in the top 10, Barry, you gave them an HM, an honorable mention. The Davidson Cyclones taking on the Leroy Braves, the AK, the 10Ks. I think it's going to be a big game. Big stepping stone, I'm going to say, or match for uh, Davidson to see where they stand. And actually, our game of the week this week is out in the pierogi belt, Langenberg at Theodore in the Sask East. That's going to be a doozy if you're out in that portion of the province. And Barry's going. Barry's going to that game, right? So... I, I want to I want to give some some love to the Sask Alta League. If you got any listeners up in that area, Dewberry and Hillman they go at it. Dewberry's three and one, and Hillman undefeated at three and zero. Oh. And then Saturday, close to Regina here in the Sask Valley, or sorry, the Coppell Valley Highway Hockey League, Odessa, Vibank, and Lumsden go at it in Lumsden on Saturday.